Hello and welcome to the Doula UK podcast. My name is Leela Baker and with me today I have Sally Ann. Sally Ann, can you introduce yourself please? Hello, I'm Sally Ann Beresford. I am owner of a company called Birthability um, and I'm a doula, antenatal teacher and now author. Great, thank you. So can you tell us a bit more about your book? Yeah, so um, I've written a book called Labour of Love, The Ultimate Guide to Being a Birth Partner. And it is a book that is aimed specifically at anyone who is supporting uh, a pregnant person through labour and birth. And it's aimed at making sure that they fully understand her needs if she is planning um a normal birth in theory the idea is she was having a planned cesarean she wouldn't need the book but if she ended up with a cesarean then this book is still filled with information about that so it's um it's 16 chapters it's more than I ever dreamed it would be and it's filled with stories and ideas and images that will help prepare anyone to fulfill their role as best as they can thank you um, so most of us read The Birth Partner by Penny Simkin as part of our doula journey. How is this book different from that? Um, yeah, I also picked up Penny's book about 10 years ago. Um, I haven't seen it much since, but I I know it's obviously an American book. It's It's got a really good, solid amount of information, but it wasn't, as far as I'm aware, as modern as this one this is very much written uh for the uk market it's very much about current scenarios within the nhs system it is my uh take on what it it's like to be a doula and a birth partner based on the fact that when i started teaching antenatally i recognized that um supporting a woman who has been through, let's say, a traditional antenatal course, let's say NCT or similar, um, they come out the other side with a good range of information, but actually it doesn't prepare them for the birth room and their birth partner is also pretty clueless. They understand that there's some hormones that are important in the birth process. Mm -hmm. They understand that there are some positions that would be really useful. They understand that, um, you know, there's massage techniques and a few other bits and bobs that they can do. And they're also given a tool called T-brains. But in my experience, that's not enough. And looking at the statistics from 2020, we can see that it's not enough because the cesarean section rate is going up, the induction rate is going up. And I just wanted to write something that was relevant to this modern time and to say, you know, there are things that birth partners can do in the UK that will support their pregnant person to have the birth that they want to be able to advocate for them in a way that is going to help them to achieve their dream birth if possible, because far more pregnant people should be achieving their dream birth and they're just not and we know it so we've been you know we've spent a lot of time I think as doulas and antenatal teachers trying to um, 
empower the woman, empower the pregnant person to uh, take the responsibility onto their shoulders and say, don't put up with this, get on and, you know, challenge the system. Um, and it appears to me that they're just that little bit too vulnerable to do that on their own. Um, and, and it's the people beside them that need to be challenging the system, but they need to understand why. They need to understand what is the reason behind that. Why would a woman decline a vaginal examination? Why, you know, would a pregnant person um, choose to decide to give birth at home against medical advice? You know, there's so many things that the pregnant person's supporter needs to know and fully understand. And so I, as I say, I can't remember what Penny's book goes into, but it felt to me that there just needed to be something that was more modern and more UK based. Yeah, it's a very different um, system now in, in, both, in, in both countries. It's a very different system now than it was um, when that book was written. Yes. Um, although, you know, there may have been updates to it, I, I don't know. Um, but it's a very different system here than it is in the US. Um, yeah. And um, it's amazing. I mean, some, you know, groups, social media groups with, with doulas from the US. And it's amazing how certain things are just absolutely taken for granted. And, and a lot of, um, you know, parents, expectant parents, just put everything in the hands of the hospital um, for the decision making process, which is which is fine because they're medically trained, but you know, you and I know that birth isn't really a medical thing. Um, yeah. And it's only when it goes wrong that it's, it's a, it then becomes a, a medical thing. It's, it's biology, you know, like eating and going to the toilet and making love or, you know, conceiving a baby. Um, those things generally um, don't require medical expertise. Um, so yeah, I, I like that about it. I like your book. I mean, I like that, that um, it's very, it's very up to date. It's very current. It, um, it takes into account a lot of um, situations that many, many people in this country um, will have been facing um, in recent years. Absolutely. So what prompted you to write it? I mean, I know you said um, you could see a lot of people coming through antenatal education slightly underprepared. Um, but what actually, you know, gave you the final nudge to say, right, I'm going to write a book. I, I, I'm going to write a book now. So I basically, you know, when I became a doula, I was, I'm going to change the world one birth at a time, you know, like all of us, we just needed to do our little bit. And then as a little bit of time went by, I was like, no, this isn't enough for me. So when I trained to teach pregnancy yoga, I started to recognize very quickly that no matter how much you sit in a room full of pregnant women, um, you still find yourself in a situation whereby they're going off and having terrible births and you're powerless to stop that because it's their journey it's up to them um they can make the decisions that you know they 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 make and you when they come back you sort of sit back and listen to their birth story and say oh my goodness you did so well i'm so proud of you i would have done exactly the same and then as time more time went by and i became an antenatal teacher i had both parties in front of me the two parents who were responsible for this journey and i recognized that i had 
way more influence on their experience than I did before mm-hmm. when the partner was present. And I, I had a business partner at the time and she was NCT trained and she was an amazing teacher. Um, and her experience and knowledge was phenomenal because they do, you know, they train their NCT teachers really well. Um, but still the, the couples going through the courses that she was running were coming out with bad experiences. So I sat down with her and I said, I'm happy to get involved with the teaching side of things, but I want to rewrite the course in a way that I feel is congruent to me, that I feel that would make a massive difference. So we sat down and we put post-it notes all over the floor, identifying everything that needed to be covered in an entire antenatal course. And we moved those post-it notes around and we broke it down into four sessions, journey of the mother, journey of the baby, journey of the partner and the postnatal period. And we effectively rewrote the entire course that would um, help support these couples to make the best of their birth experience in a way that they were dreaming of having and the the births that they wanted because they you know they would walk in all keen and eager and they'd be like oh my gosh you know tell us all you've got to tell us because this is why we're here Um, and they'd go through peaks and troughs where they would be a little bit frightened of some of the information they were hearing and then they'd hear some more positive stuff and they'd be all geared up and ready to go and you know they'd be churned out the other side of the system broken um, and as soon as we implemented the new the new teaching, they weren't broken anymore. They were empowered and they were coming out saying, well, you know, that was amazing or well, it didn't go to plan, but we were the decision makers. Um, and this is why we decided to do X, Y and Z. And they felt like they truly owned the experience, but it was a team approach rather than all the responsibility just being on the woman's shoulders or the pregnant person's shoulders. And I just really started to see massive results. And I wanted to start celebrating, documenting, sharing why our course was so much better. And it still wasn't reaching enough people because the NCT have cornered the market. There is an awful lot of people out there whose friends were saying, as soon as you're pregnant, sign up for NCT. So we weren't just weren't getting enough people through the door. And um, I wanted to change that. I wanted to be the experts in the area, in our field. Um, And so writing a book seemed like the next best idea was to say, well, you know, if we've got something behind us that says we are the experts because a book has been written, then that's got to be a good idea too. And I started it about two, two and a half years ago and just ended up shelving it not getting very far I went on a Hay House uh, writers conference course which was amazing really did help me to understand you know how to write a book properly Um, but again the time just ran away with me and then at the very beginning of lockdown I looked at my husband and said, if I can't write a book in lockdown, I'm never <laughs> ever going to do it. Um, yep. Now, I did obviously pick the worst possible time to publish a book because so many incredible people have published books this this year, well, 2020 mm-hmm. in lockdown. I mean, gosh, some amazing books have come out in the birth world. Pinter and Martin have really nailed it. Um 
So competition has been, in, you know, really, really high. And I sort of like cringe at the idea that I've put my book out there in the midst of such amazing authors that have produced such excellent material. But I still feel that mine is completely different to anybody else's. It's not aimed at just dads. There are so many books out there that are aimed at dads to be, and mine isn't. Mine is aimed at anyone supporting a birth partner, including doulas, midwives, doctors, anyone that wants to take a really good look at the physiological needs of a laboring woman. It's not filled with statistics. It is truly aimed at practical solutions to modern day issues with regards to coercion, with regards to guidelines and um, policies, with regards to making well-informed decisions that, you know, um, birth partners need to know why these decisions need to be made and why you would make them rather than the typical scenario where you've got somebody looking across at the pregnant person saying just do what they say because they're the experts I want every birth partner to know that the pregnant person is the expert no one else is the expert but they are and that you know that's my my reason for wanting that book to come out was to be able to ensure that um every couple are taking responsibility for themselves and the decisions that they're making yeah i think you know especially as um you know it in pre-2020 shall we say um yeah I heard, actually heard on TV when we, someone was talking about the noughties and someone said, what are we going to call, you know, the, the teens that, you know, between 2010 and 2020? And someone said, we'll call that before, you know, before <laughs> coronavirus. Um, so, yeah, it, before um, you could have one or two partners with you. So you might have, you know, the, the other parent, the father or the other parent of the baby or your life partner. But you would, might also have your sister or your friend or your mum or your, your dad, or, you know, you know, I haven't any, seen anyone take their brother in, but, you know, it might happen, um, yeah. or a doula. Um, and and that that way you've got the best of both, really, because you've got somebody who is there with their own, you know, vested interest in the birth because they're seeing the birth of their child. Um, and then someone who is there to, you know, do the things that the birth partner, um, that full coverage of birth partner if you've got two people in there at the moment if you can only have one person that person needs to be a lot more and needs to know a lot more about how they can really take that pressure off as you say the person who's having the baby because yeah. when you're having a baby it's very difficult to have extra pressure on top of you so the other person in the room who you brought with you needs to know more so I you know although you're saying there might be a lot of competition actually your book it was the perfect time for your book to come out because birth partners need to understand fully what is required of them by the birthing experience yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely and also when you said about sisters and mothers um in my experience uh when an, a person is supporting anyone through labor and birth uh, if they've got their own history and they bring that with them, I feel like my book can help them undo that. So if the, you know, the the mother had terrible birth experiences or the sister had terrible birth experiences, they automatically, regardless of what that person's preferences are, 
will always come with a judgment and agenda behind their views where they're thinking yeah but she's not really going to do it or she's not really going to manage or this isn't really going to go to plan um and I really wanted something that would uh, unpick that for them too because you know I've actually had quite a few um grandmas uh, message me since the book came out to say my eyes are now wide open and I cannot believe how much I've learned. I thought I knew everything having had four children. I thought I knew exactly what giving birth was about. And I didn't know any of the things that you've written about. I didn't realize the importance of hormones. I didn't realize the importance of positioning, you know, and, and some of these things that go into you know, I have whole chapters on these things that really go into massive detail that will help anyone to fully understand, you know, why these things are important. And it's just amazing to be able to realize that you're making such a big difference. And even if the grandma or the sister doesn't go to the birth because they can't because of COVID, maybe they were planning to, but they couldn't. Um, they're still saying that they're helping. It's helping them to recognize why that pregnant person is making the decisions that they're making because you know they're, they're not making them because they're silly and making them you know because they don't know anything they're making them because they're reading and they're really fully understanding themselves what their bodies are capable of doing which is just fantastic um, in the book, you give some really good examples of questions a birth partner can ask to help them be prepared to, you know, to support the person's choices, the pregnant person's choices. How early in the pregnancy do you recommend those conversations start? If those questions do you mean by um, sitting down and having birth preparation sessions with the pregnant person? Yeah. 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 So I, I put in there that if I was them, I would want to have one conversation before an antenatal course began. So at least around the 30, 32 week mark. Um, organically, these types of um, conversations might come up within the home if it is the birth partner is indeed the spouse, the life partner. Um, so it might be that they talk about her preferences on a regular basis. But what I recommend is that they also sit down and have a dedicated planning session where they really do look at everything that they need to cover. So let's say she did want to have a vaginal birth in a midwife-led unit. You know, um, that birth partner needs to talk about um, her feelings around all the things that she may need to make decisions about so there's big lists in the book and also I have free downloads um, that accompany the book that they can um, print off and and use to talk about you know what what her preferences might be and then assuming they did do an antenatal course I would then encourage them to have a second session when the course is finished to find out if uh those preferences have changed in any way. So for me, it's just like a doula would have, you know, I think most of us would do at least two, a minimum of two antenatal sessions. Um, and my, the way that I would run them personally, I'm not sure about any other doulas, but the way I would run them personally is to really try and unpick her because if I need to be able to um, recognize what she 
is telling me on the actual day of the birth, I need to really fully understand her preferences in advance. So I, you know, encourage them to, um, I'm just going to find the page and see if I can look and see what, you know, the recommendations say. Um, but it is all about, you know, what are her feelings about methods of pain relief? You know, does she fully understand them? Does she know and recognize what is available to her in the location that she's choosing to give birth? Um, does she want any comfort measures? Does she understand what monitoring of the baby means? Vaginal examinations? What would she you know, feel like if an induction became something that was mentioned to her? How does she feel about C-section? Does she fully understand optimal cord clamping, placenta encapsulation, feeding options, skin to skin, vitamin K? And by putting those in the book, I would imagine most birth partners would be like, what's vitamin K? What's it's a very good prompt, isn't it? For yeah, everybody what, involved in the process to then exactly. start thinking about and doing their research. Yeah, exactly. And to, you know, be aware that if you've got somebody that would say, and this comes up with me on a regular basis, if I go and meet a, a pregnant person and they say, well, you know, I'm pretty open to methods of pain relief. Of course, I would really like a natural birth, but, you know, that's something that I would like down possibly down the line and wouldn't say no to then I'll talk to them about you know what what options are available where they're going and what what would it mean to transfer from a midwife-led unit or home birth down the corridor up the stairs to you know a, a, a main labor ward if she changed her mind yeah which is absolutely also some fun. of those some of those things aren't really decisions that you can make on a fully informed basis when you are waiting for your pain to be relieved, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. But when you're on an antenatal course and you're sat and they're teaching you all about methods of pain relief, it seems pretty clear cut and everyone goes, oh, well, no, I'm definitely not having pethidine or an epidural. But that's all they know. They don't know any more than that. They don't really fully understand after going through the pros and cons of each what it means to be in labor and in a situation where a woman is vocalizing and saying I really can't do this anymore I don't want to carry on what does a birth partner do when she says that well if they've had really in-depth conversations about that in advance then they're in a situation whereby I'm not I wouldn't ask any birth partner to second guess the, the woman but or uh, birthing person but I would honestly expect that they would know where down the list of things she places many of those methods of pain relief and what she would rather I or they would encourage first to be able to say okay I hear you you know how about we try this how about we do that how about we change position how about you know whereas I think most wouldn't know that those were even an option you know what what the heck is homeopathy or aromatherapy? What on earth would I, you know, do if somebody said, why don't you put a little bit of lavender on a tissue and that might keep her going for another hour or so, do you know what I mean? Just yeah. knowing that those things are in existence and available and being able to talk them through is so, so important. Um, you know, I have so many clients that would say, oh no, I have no, no desire to use any of those methods I don't want to see my placenta I don't want to know about um you know that there's so many things that come out of asking those questions that you wouldn't have known about had you not asked them yeah 
While you were preparing and researching for the book, did anything come up from anyone that surprised you? Um, so I didn't research and um, speak to anyone in advance of writing it. All of the examples in the book are my own and my own clients. So every single scenario um, is a true real life situation that happened to me and a client of mine. And of course, I went and asked them all for permission to use their um, stories, their scenarios. But I, I only did use um, situations that I have personally been in. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I particularly liked the book, the bit, sorry, about the safety word. Yes, in um, fact, I just released my podcast on Sunday about the safety word. I started a podcast a few weeks ago of my own, and um, this this week's episode is about the safety word. Do you use a safety word, Lee? No, I'd never even it never even occurred to me. Um, and actually, when I read that bit of the book, I I thought, well, there's so many situations that I have thought of, as you say, you know, about you know, because you've had the conversations in advance, um, you might understand more. But also, there's so many situations that I've witnessed, or, you know, as a doula, but also been in myself as you know, while having my own babies, where I you know, had to try and convince somebody, you know, actually, I've, I've really changed my mind about this or thing. And if there was a safety word, it would have been very easy to make it clear that no, I'm, 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 I'm playing that card now. Um, yeah. You know, that's this is this. I mean this without having to explain it in detail. Absolutely. And to be able to know that you are not going to be in a situation postnatally where she is telling you that she's traumatised because you pushed her too far or yeah. equally the opposite. Or you didn't believe yeah. her or, or didn't listen to what yeah, she was or, saying. Or she yeah. said to you, but I didn't mean it when I said I didn't want to carry on. I was just vocalising. And yeah. that to me is probably a little bit harder to swallow because if somebody's gone to the trouble of hiring a doula and being in a situation where they're saying, look, you know, I, I really want to achieve this type of birth. This is very important to me. And the minute that um, that person says, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm finding it hard. If you rescue them in that moment before they're ready to be, rescue may not be the right word, but I'm gonna stick with it. If you rescue them in that moment before they're ready for you to do so, you are running the risk of, um, of, of, of encouraging them down the route that they didn't particularly want to go in a little yeah, bit kind of derailing their experience exactly yeah. exactly and so um as a birth partner one of the things that runs really solidly through the book which i'm assuming is something that is taught heavily on any doula training course is that this is not about us in fact my book originally was going to be called it's not about me because i thought that it would be really great to get across to birth partners it's not about you it's about them and you it's not your body nothing is happening to you <clears throat> excuse me hang on <clears throat> so when you are in a situation whereby she is looking you straight in the eye and saying, help me, help me, you are gonna wanna step in and say, of course, how? Because if you're emotionally connected to that person, it goes without saying that you are going to want help. 
I had a client that said that at the end of every contraction and, and when when she get we had a safety word in place and at the end of the labor when she gave birth she pushed that baby out and she was just overjoyed and crying just great tears and she was like oh my gosh that is just the best thing that ever happened to me and at some point after I said to her I obviously didn't hear your safety word was it okay to have continued and she went I didn't mean a word of that that was just words that I (laughs) it was just a way of her vocalizing and she taught Mm -hmm. me so much because you know nobody um had ever said as much during their birth as this woman did nobody had ever put me in a situation where I had to actually take her husband out of the room and say she hasn't used a safety word what do you want me to do do we carry on or do we just say do you want to use your safety word and she didn't and he said no 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 we sat down with her in the antenatal period this is what we agreed upon we said she knows what the safety word is if she doesn't use it we keep going and so we did and she was overjoyed and over the moon and she you know she would have never she said i never dreamed of using it but every single time she would look me dead in the eye and say, help me. And I was like, oh no. So it is such a valuable tool to have. And if everyone knows, even if the, you know, can tell the midwife, mm-hmm. we're not being cruel here. This is ignoring what she appears to be asking for. Exactly, because this isn't about us trying to get an experience that is for us, because I think that's what's really important is this is about us supporting her and that's why I use the marathon analogy in the chapter because being you know who would drive past somebody running a marathon and say just get in the car I'll drive (laughs) you to the finish line or let's go and get some lunch at the pub why why are you bothering with this don't be a superhero you can just you know come with me and we'll get a glass of wine you know that is outrageous isn't it to think that anybody would stand on the sidelines of a marathon going you you know you can give up any time anytime you just stop as soon as you're ready (laughs) exactly so you know and that that's really important to me to be able to make sure that she calls the shots at any point she says I'm carrying on and I haven't used my safety word or she says I'm literally done here now. I've done everything in my power to get to the point that I set out to do. And I have changed my mind. You have to listen. You have to stop. And that's brilliant to know that you'll never let her down ever. Um, The chapter on control versus control. Can you explain that a little bit, please? Um, Yeah, I actually... (laughs) I actually wrote that um, in my head when I was on the train just before lockdown, going to um, my hypnobirthing training with Danny Diosi. Um, I was sat on that on an empty train going to London. It was the week before lockdown started, and I'd been really thinking about how the hypnobirthing training was having a huge impact on my beliefs about birth and what you know what happened with women in labor and you know there's this thing isn't there about hormones with oxytocin and adrenaline and I talk about the traffic light system in my chapter because for me it's really really simple high levels of oxytocin is go high levels of adrenaline is stop 
so many women end up in the middle ground in between with some levels of each and they have very slow progress they're still producing contractions because they've got enough oxytocin to produce them but not enough adrenaline to be making progress and i know that the mind is such a powerful thing when you're in a in a classroom and you've got eight to ten couples in front of you and you're teaching them about um the power of oxytocin and how oxytocin works you effectively are talking about women and the control issues that they have modern women are very controlling it may sound negative i don't mean it to sound no negative. i agree completely i mean um, i know that for myself yeah yeah and they can't get out of their heads they have too much going on with the thinking and the planning and the mm -hmm. you know the timing you've got all of these apps so many people are using apps so many people are trying to analyze every every minuscule detail and you see it on the facebook groups if you go onto any of the facebook groups they're on their phones in early labor oh my gosh i want to say put your phone down go into a darkened room and switch off but you know a lot of people find that very hard to do so i wanted to help every birth partner recognize the difference between positive control and that is about the decision-making process, things that a woman should be in control of throughout her whole labour and birth, and negative control, something that is really having a massive knock-on effect to her birth that she um, would ideally not want to have. Because, you know, if, if only they as the birth partner can recognise that if that person is on the phone, on Facebook, on WhatsApp, telling their family, telling their friends, that is not a good idea. That is a bad idea. And it needs to be something that they can talk about in the antenatal period to make sure that we or they try and avoid um, that situation because coming out of her thinking brain is the only way, in my experience, especially with first timers, to get high enough levels of oxytocin to produce the kinds of contractions that get labour over and done with as quickly as possible because nobody wants a long labour, nobody wants to be exhausted, nobody wants to be in a situation where progress is slow or not happening. So if the birth partner could only understand the difference between positive and negative control to me, that would be an excellent chapter to have in my book, which is why I wrote it, because I really did want to help them to understand that. Yep. So I had, um, I, she won't mind me telling this story. Um, one, my doula, I doulaed her as well um, when she had her baby. And um, part of the reason that she said she, you know, I think everybody should have a doula even if you're a doula you should still have a doula um, yeah. but the reason that she know, knew she needed a doula was is because you know that she recognized that control aspect and she knew she needed somebody else in the room who was going to take over that control um, yeah. so that she didn't have to think about anything because there was somebody else in the room who was trained to you know see a situation and help to you know to, to help the, the couple to deal with that situation. Yeah. Um, and that's the only way she knew she could turn off that thinking brain is if, you know, her partner, who is, you know, an amazing birth partner, was well supported by somebody who had that training and experience. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it helps if you recognise that you have these issues with letting go of control um, and yeah. that you can trust the person who's in the room with you to 
act in your best interests if you relinquish control to them. Absolutely. And your body, obviously, you know, I, I when I teach hypnobirthing, one of the things I say, you know, your baby and your body know what they're doing. Um, yeah. But in our modern in our modern lives, it's very difficult to go, oh, well, I just I just trust that, you know, I've got a temperature because my body's fighting an infection. That's not how we think anymore. It's, you know, it's I, I've got a temperature I need to deal with. I need to get a doctor. I need to take some medicine. I need to do all of these things um, because exactly. that's how we work in this in the world that we live in now. Absolutely. Um, so although this book is primarily aimed at birth partners, yeah. there is so much useful information in there um, for everybody. Do you find, um, have you heard from people who are pregnant themselves who are reading it as a way of informing themselves? I have to admit that I wrote this book for the pregnant person. Um, in my head, every word is aimed at the partner and yet all of the information is aimed at them. I am so grateful to hear that they are buying it for their partners and reading it themselves. And I, I, that is what I wanted. That was my target market. That was exactly my plan, was to be able to word it in a way that wasn't aimed at them, but that they would see all of that information as well because there is so much in there that they need to know and understand and again I don't believe there is a book out there that is written in the same way and that has got the level of information that this one has because it is 20 years of worth of doula knowledge and information that comes from being in a birth room on a consistent basis you know if you're going into um, all hospital I mean I, I've entered so many different ones the I'm very fortunate the area that I live in we have such a wide range of different trusts of different hospitals of different scenarios where I was also um, chair of my local um, maternity services liaison committee before it became the MVP for, for, for about 15 years so my knowledge and experience of what actually happens in a birth room is really great because I've done audits I've done you know I've done trainings with them and I really wanted those pregnant people to be able to read it themselves to ensure that they also knew all of those elements to be able to read about what coercion is to be able to read about why you might decline a vaginal examination to be able to understand what policies and guidelines are all about because you know they're the ones that can actually make the decisions they're the ones that will be making the decisions they're the ones writing the birth plans they're the ones understanding what to put on a birth plan so whilst it's important that their birth partner also has access and reads this information and is privy to this stuff they also need to get it and I am very very happy to say that the people who are responding to me that are getting back to me um, are truly like soaking it all up and getting out of it what I was hoping they would. Brilliant. Um, so thank you for mentioning Doula UK in your book. Um, how long have you been a member? Um, so I joined Doula UK just after it started. So I wasn't around from the very beginning. I was finding my feet um, and I just had a child. So I wasn't even aware that the word doula existed when I started to support others to mm -hmm. have a positive birth experience when I did get going and I found the these amazing small group of women who had began um, 
Doola UK, I was just overjoyed and going to their houses, going to their meetings and um, chatting to the most incredible bunch of women. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, was was a joy. And then I carried on um, working in, I was the only doula in this area in a really wide area actually for many, many years, which was a very lonely time. A lot of them lived um, you know, in, in the South and I was in the West Midlands where there wasn't really anybody. Um, and so it was only within a few years of that, that I then started to become involved with Dooley UK properly. So whilst I'd become a member, I think I got involved. I actually, at one point, I was even on the newsletter team. I did a few jobs before, um, when my, I think when my fourth child was born, I stepped away. I just had too much on my plate, but I did. I remember being on the newsletter when um, I can't think of the lady's name who who was doing it at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the whole part of being Julie K from when it was the early days with the old website and the forum and, you know, um, sort of go, going to meetings locally when we started setting those up. Um, and then obviously it's changed. I mean, it's changed beyond recognition, you know. And 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 everyone is um, having such great um, relationships with other doulas. And there's so many more of us, and that's so much better. The more people we can reach, the better. Um, but yeah, I've probably been involved with Doula UK as a whole for for about 19 years, I would say, um, shortly after they started. Have you noticed any changes in the newer doulas coming into the organisation or ways that people are providing doula support over the last um, years? I'm a doula mentor and um, the, the training is just so much better than it used to be. I mean, all of the training courses are so good now and you've got such experienced doulas running them. I'm not sure um, what the doula courses were like before that. I did the Michelle O'Donnell course and I know a lot of people um, didn't think that that was a particularly good course and yet my own experience of that and the learning that I had with the oxytocin conversations that he used to sit and talk about um, I think has actually taught me more than I could have ever dreamed of it's been amazing um, I've gone on to do other doula courses since with different organizations but I just think the quality of the education that is out there now and the idea that things have changed business-wise. So years ago, when I first started, I think it was believed that doulas should be doulas for, because they were passionate. And yes, they should charge a nominal sum, but it wasn't really worth, you know, it wasn't something that made you um, any money. You might even just about break even. And as the years have gone by, um, I think that everything has changed with regards to the idea that doulas are professionals, doulas are people that are very knowledgeable and skilled and have invested in their um, role and they have much more self-esteem around their, their ability to charge what they're worth. And yeah, their value, just, yeah. Yeah, not just what they're worth, but actually enough to bring food to the table, mm -hmm. to be able to be seen as someone who is, um, you know, a part of a journey in somebody's life that that but that, that the people employing them should 
also recognise the investment they're making is, you know, worth it. You know, it's funny because there's been um, a conversation about independent midwives on the home birth support group that Samantha Gadsden runs. And it's been fascinating reading, you know, how some people believe it is a true privilege to be able to afford um, an independent midwife. And I have a very different view to that. You know, my view is, can you afford not to employ yeah, yeah. a doula or an independent midwife? What 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 is your birth worth to you? What do you think is invest worth investing in your life? You know, is it a nice car? Is it a big telly? Is it a good kitchen? Is it um, a fancy pram? Exactly. And, you know, it, it really is soul destroying when people don't see the value. But at the same time, there isn't enough hours in the day to support all the families out there having babies so you know all a doula is looking for is enough to make make her role worthwhile and to put food on the table and to bring an income into the family and I think that we're nearly there I do think that there is a really good understanding about the role of a doula most people now know that they exist they're in most books talking people talk about doulas there are midwives out there there are uh, people of influence out there talking about doulas and what they what they mean and who they are and why they chose to have one so we're, we're getting there we're close I think that um, you know people are recognizing that it is a really good way to spend money and I've had clients that have borrowed from four different family members to pay my fee and what's in years gone by, I might have thought, oh, bless her, maybe I should give her a reduction. Now, I would never do that because it's always the ones that find that money, that scrape it together, that have the best birth experiences that value you and your role the most and say, you know, I, I'm i an amazing woman because I sought the right support to help me achieve the birth of my dreams and I totally rocked it and I'm really glad I did it. Yeah. Um, Whereas often it's the situations where, you know, you have thought, oh, poor thing, you know, let me just give it to you for free. And they they don't see the value. It's so heartbreaking. Um, not always. I can't speak for others' experience. I can only speak for my own. But I have found myself in situations like that before. And, you know, I just feel that as a professional, I want to charge and be the doula that a pro any professional would be. And that's what I've seen in the difference between Dooley UK of years gone by and the Dooley UK now mm. is that, um, you know, doulas are saying we, we are worth every penny. Yeah, we are. However much we charge, we're worth every penny. Exactly, exactly. Um, even if you're not charging very much, you know, you're worth, probably worth more than those pennies. Exactly. Um, if there was just one tip you could give to somebody who will be a birth partner, what would it be? Buy my book. <laughs> That's a great tip, actually. Yeah. I was thinking about this and thinking, what would I say? And to be fair, you know, I, I, I was on the birth activist podcast the other day and I had to think of three things to um, come up with that were, were recommendations and actually really just one and that is everything is in this book everything yep. anybody needs to know whether you're a doula whether you're um, a, a, you know somebody's mother somebody's sister somebody's partner whatever your role in their pregnancy and birth journey this book literally has everything that you need to know to help them understand their options and choices for their 
for their dream birth. So yeah, that would be my top tip. Thank you. Right, last question. Where can we buy your book? Okay, so currently you can buy it through me on my website, which is birthability.co.uk. Um, it is on Amazon, which is um, easy to find if you just type in my name, Sally Ann Beresford, or Labour of Love, The Ultimate Guide to Being a Birth Partner. And it, it will be in other bookstores, but because of lockdown, mm -hmm. because of the situation with all the shops being closed and everything, my... Um, my job now is to is to start getting it out there to be seen by uh, the people who put it into Waterstones, etc. So I, I haven't figured that out yet, but I am about to. So, yeah, it won't be long before it's on on other websites and bookstores, etc. Wonderful. Thank you very much, sally -Ann. It's been really lovely to talk to you. You're welcome. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. So I just want to say thank you again to Sally Ann for participating um, and joining me on the podcast. And thank you for listening. If there are any topics that you'd like us to cover or if you'd like to come on to the podcast, um, please let me know. Um, you can email me membership at doula.org.uk.